Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Welcome everyone to the Portage County Safety Council podcast in our special series on preparing for the Northeast Ohio Safety Expo. I'm so excited that this expo is coming back to in-person and we're going to have the opportunity to hear from some of the best safety presenters from across Northeast Ohio talking on various topics. The expo this year is going to be on Thursday, October 20th, 2022. And uh, if you want to register for that, check out the show notes. We'll have a link right to that. And we hope to see everyone there. In preparation for this, we've been selecting some of the best speakers that we've found for Northeast Ohio Safety Expo and are doing just a quick introduction with them to learn about what their topic is and how you can learn more about their topic. Joining us from Sandstone EHS Services LLC is Jennifer Scott Vasil. She is one of their consultants there, and she's talking about confined space identification and hazard. Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Nick. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your uh, background with safety, kind of 30,000 foot over? I've been in the industrial health and safety business for the last 50 years, and I do consulting and training, and I do a lot of confined space training. I do training on other industrial safety problems, but in confined space training and consulting, writing procedures is one of the things that I do a great deal. You know, and confined space is is really a very specialized topic that a lot of employers I found in my consulting career aren't always dealing with properly or maybe haven't thought about the whole picture. And so this presentation on identification and hazards, I think, is important for everybody from the entry-level safety person all the way up to the senior-level safety person to make sure we're doing things right. So tell me a little bit about your presentation. Um, What's one of the main points that you're driving home during this presentation? Well, the first main point that we're going to be talking about is how we actually identify a confined space. Because a lot of times people see a space in an industrial setting every day and they don't realize that it's a confined space and confined spaces can be deadly and we want to make sure that people know how to identify and realize that what they have in their industrial setting may be a confined space. I often see that walking around that there are those things that are obvious sometimes like the silo is easy but then there's those other pits and pieces that come up that they just Kind of turn a blind eye to or it's always been this way we've always just entered this space just to do some maintenance work and never analyzed it because they didn't know the definition um looking at that as you called it the triangle i think is really important and it helps people put a picture in their mind of what they need to look for in there because confined spaces also come with a lot of hazards and that's part of your presentation too right talking about hazards with inside those confined spaces yes you mentioned the triangle and what we talk about is the confined space triangle, which are the three characteristics of a confined space. You have to have all three of those characteristics in order to have a confined space. And in that talk that I'm giving at the expo, we'll be talking about those three characteristics because sometimes they're foolers. And you also mentioned that we're going to be talking about the primary hazards in confined spaces. Uh, The primary hazard in a confined space is the threat of asphyxiation or some kind of atmospheric hazard. A dangerous atmosphere is the most likely reason you're going to have a death in confined spaces. And we're going to be talking about that and how you can protect yourself from atmospheric hazards. 
know, atmospheric hazards can be scary because it's not something that you can always visually see, or it's something you may not even be able to smell depending on what's happening there. And the reaction to that could be quick. And you as the person down there, you don't know, which then creates additional problems for those outside the confined space, which really leads into your third point, talking about how to prepare for confined space entry and, and all those pieces. In order to prepare for confined space entry, you've got to not only wear the correct personal protective equipment, you've got to make sure that you have all your hazardous energy under control. And most importantly, you have to prepare for rescue. You have to be aware that even in the best planned entry into confined space, things can go south very quickly and you may be helpless and you need to have some kind of a rescue plan in place that can be implemented immediately. And when it comes to rescue, you know, identifying that and having those conversations before the event are so important because as humans, we just want to help those that are in need. And, and I remember uh, watching, it's, you can find it on YouTube, it's called the Kevin McNulty story, where his father made entry into a ship container, became unresponsive. And Kevin's response was, I need to save my dad. And he jumps down in the hole and he becomes unresponsive. And it was a really sad story because eventually what transpired is, is that his father passed away with his son laying on top of him. They were able to rescue his son and he walked away. But his reaction was, I need to help my dad. And he was really no help because he became unconscious down there too. And if we don't have these conversations early, people don't know that. And they just think, oh, they're in trouble. Let me go help them. And I think that's the scary part. Yes, your reference to the Kevin McNulty story is very typical. The very typical, the confined space emergency that involves some kind of injury or fatality usually is characterized by multiple victims, especially would-be rescuers who go in to try and rescue somebody who's trapped in the confined space and they become trapped themselves. So, you know, education is important. And that's why not only identifying these, these places in, in your facility is important, but then once you identify it's what do we do next? And it's no understanding hazards and starting to talk about how to prepare. So as we get ready for the Northeast Ohio Expo, we're still, you know, a month and a half off from this great presentation that you're going to give. And I'm excited to be uh, in the class with you for this. What would you recommend to the employer? Hey, what should I be doing to prepare for to come to your presentation and to prepare for the workplace over the next 30, 45 days? Well, one of the most important things that we need to do in terms of confined spaces as employers is to make sure that our rescuers that we're counting on, whether it's the local fire department or a contract rescue service, make sure that those rescuers know that you're counting on them ahead of time with maybe a memorandum of understanding or a contract and to make sure that when you are making the entry, right before you make the entry, you contact them to make sure they are prepared to do that rescue at that time. That's the number one piece of advice that I give my clients when they're getting ready for confined space preparations, when they're writing their program, developing their program. Now, I don't know how often you've seen it, but I've seen it too many times to count now. Because when I look at the confined space, it says rescue fire department, and that's it. And the local fire department might not even be equipped to deal with that. They're just assuming that it's a fire department and they can deal with that. So looking at rescue, I think, is important. 
Have you seen that in your past yourself? Oh, yes. When I've met with my clients and they we, we talk about confined space rescue and they will say to me, well, we've got the fire department as our rescue entity. And the first question I ask is, does your fire department know that? And I've had many fire chiefs who express surprise when they get the phone call that to find out that a company is depending on them to do rescue. I do a lot of work with fire departments because I do training of the firefighters also. And one of the things that we talk about is how often they get surprised by industry that expects them to do something and they're not prepared because they don't understand how the facility is configured. And that's really important for that fire department to know that ahead of time. And you must talk to them ahead of time. Jennifer, thank you for meeting with us today to do this podcast. There's just so much good information in here. If somebody is listening to this podcast and they really can't wait till October 20th because they've identified a concern, they want to reach out to you. What's a good way to get a hold of you? Website, email address, phone number. What what do you have for our, our listeners? The best way to get a hold of me is via email. And uh, that is wasilknj at imaginenet.net. Jennifer, once again, thank you so much for being here with Portage County Safety Council. Look forward to seeing you on October 20th at the Northeast Ohio Safety Expo. And to all of our listeners out there, have a great day and be safe. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe.